Amen. I would invite you all to just remain standing with me as we go to Exodus chapter 2. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you to our church. Exodus chapter 2, just three verses this morning. Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. The Bible says, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. I want you to notice verse 25. I want to read that one more time. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. And that statement there, that verse really stood out to me as I read it this week. That there was a time that God did nothing, it appeared. And then the time came for God to act. And I want to preach to you this morning on just that subject. God is about to act. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. Help us to understand it, to apply it to our lives. Use me now. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into this word, God is about to act. The Israelites were God's chosen people. And in the book of Genesis, God would often tell Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, That in the future, the people of Israel will be blessed. They would be numerous. They would be great. And God would often say this promise in the book of Genesis. The word Genesis literally means beginning. That's why when you open up to the book of Genesis, the very first phrase you read is in the beginning. And in the book of Genesis, what you pick up on is that when you read throughout the book of Genesis, God would often speak to people. In the book of Genesis, and give visions, for example, in the book of Genesis, you see that God would give Abraham visions. He would give him dreams. God took Abraham outside and said, look to the stars, look up to the sky, see if you can count the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. In the book of Genesis, God took Jacob and said, and opened up the heavens. And Jacob visioned in a dream He saw a stairway from heaven down to earth and the angels going up and down from it. See, in the book of Genesis, God would often give dreams and visions. He gave a dream and a vision to Jacob. He gave a dream and a vision to Abraham. He even gave a dream to Joseph in the book of Genesis where Joseph had a dream of himself feeding the world. So the book of Genesis, the beginning, is a book all about God showing dreams and giving visions and desires. And passion. And that's why I believe God would name this book the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, because in our lives, in the very beginning, when God begins to show you things, 
It's in the very beginning that God begins to give you dreams. God begins to give you hope. God begins to give you visions. And you begin to picture something greater than yourselves. Always in the beginning. For example, in the beginning of our church, 13 years ago, it came in the form of a dream. It came in the form of a vision. I had a vision of God blessing me. I had a vision of God starting a church here in Hialeah. I literally saw myself preaching. And even though it was impossible, even though it seemed like it would never happen, in the very beginning of our church, we had visions and dreams. We, had, we saw it. And maybe today, right now, you have a dream of something. Maybe you have a dream of seeing your loved ones find Jesus and get saved. Maybe you have a vision and a dream of your family growing up together. Maybe you have a vision of being healed. Maybe you have a vision of a business starting. Whatever it is, it is in the beginning, in the Genesis, that God usually gives you first the vision and the dream and the desire. You guys get that? Say, got it. That's the beginning. So God will often, first and foremost, in the beginning, give you a vision. He will give you a dream. He will give you a desire. He will put a burden in your heart for something. That's the beginning. But when you fast forward now to the book of Exodus, the next book, what you see is that the people are burdened. The people are enslaved. The people are mistreated. The people are crying out to God. They're saying, God, do something. God, act now. God, why are you doing this? The Israelites didn't understand. You see, in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God told them, you're going to be great. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be numerous. And he gave dreams and visions. But in the book of Exodus, none of that was happening. In the book of Exodus, they were actually being mistreated. In the book of Exodus, they were in bondage to slavery. And in the book of Exodus, they were crying out to God. And here's what's worse. When you read the book of Exodus, from Genesis to the book of Exodus, it's 430 years that the people of Israel will be in bondage to slavery. For 430 years, the people would cry out to God for help. For 430 years, Pharaoh would put punishment on them. Pharaoh would abuse them. For 430 years, it felt like it was unjust, unfair. For 430 years, it looked like God was ignoring them. For 430 years, it looked like God had forgotten them. For 430 years, it looked like God had abandoned them. And for 430 years, I imagine that they were confused. Wouldn't you? For 430 years, we have cried out to God, but He has done nothing. We've cried out to God for help and remain helpless. We cried out to God to take care of Pharaoh because we're tired of the abuse and He has only blessed him more. We've cried out to God in our pain. We cried out to God in our distress. And God remains silent. For 430 years, God did nothing, it appears. You see, there are seasons in our lives that God in the beginning gives you a dream. In the beginning, God gives you a desire. In the beginning, God gives you a vision. 
But then there is a season after that that God goes silent. And maybe that's what you feel like right now. And maybe it feels like God is doing nothing in your life. And it feels like God has gone silent. He's gone rogue. He's doing nothing about your circumstances. He's doing nothing about the people that are mistreating you and hurting you and treating you badly. He's done nothing about your pain. He's done nothing about your illness. He's done nothing about your sickness and discouragement and depression. He's done nothing and you're confused. You're saying, God, this is not what I dreamed about. This is not what I envisioned. This is not what I felt you told me was going to happen. In fact, the opposite has occurred. Now, I'm living a life of pain. I'm living a life of sorrow. And God, you're doing absolutely nothing. And I'm sure the Israelites had the same question many of us have. Why is God allowing this? Why is God allowing pain in my life? Why is God allowing rejection? Why is God allowing abuse? Why is God allowing me to be hurt time and time again by this person? And God does nothing. It is at this point of your life that you feel the vision that God has given you. It's never going to happen. It is in this point of your life that dreams begin to die. It is in this point of your life that God is silent, that you tell yourself things are never going to change. Things are never going to get better. Things are never going to happen for me. And for 430 years, they would cry out to God for help. But had no answer. Verse 23, as a result, the Bible says, years passed. Years. Say that with me. Years passed. Which means every year was the same as last year. Every year was the same Pharaoh. Every year was the same problem. Every year was the same burden. Years passed and passed and passed. And every year they would cry out to God. And every year they would pray and say, Lord, do something. And every year, just like the last year, it passed. Years passed. And the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites, Continue to grow. The Bible says as a result of the 430 years of bondage, the Israelites groaned. That word groaned, it literally means to breathe out an expression of pain. To be tired and sad. It's groaning is this. You guys ready? Come on, do that with me. Come on. How many of you right now can say, Pastor, you just described me? Seems like every day I get bad news and all I can do is... 
That, that groaning, it's all too familiar. It, it's the groan you hear when the doctor says it's cancer. It, it's the groan you hear when your spouse says, I'm thinking of divorce. It's the groan you hear when gas prices go up. Prices go up, but your paycheck doesn't. And the bills come, and it's the sound you hear when the bills are on the table, and you have to decide which one to pay and which one to pass. And you go, <sighs> it's an expression of sadness. Pain and tired. And every morning these Israelites had to get up and go to work groaning. They had to raise their children groaning. They had to continue on with their life groaning. And here's the thing about groaning. You can do it in private. You can do it in silence. You can do it with a smile on your face. You can groan as you, as you drive to work. You can come to church and you groan. You can worship in songs and groan. You can live your life daily and groan because there's an expression within yourself of pain and tired and sadness. I have pain caused by other people. I am tired of the way my life is going and I am just sad because I know things are never going to change. If God was going to do something, He would have done it by now. It's been 430 years. But the Bible says, and God was about to act. Can you survive the years of silence? Does it ever feel like God is silent? What does it look like when God goes silent in your life? Prayers go unanswered. Things don't change. You get up, you get busy, you go to work, you come home, you go to church, you do everything you have to do. But the same burden still carries you. It's the same problem with the same person in the same situation. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray. And here's the thing about God. You're going to get mad at this, but it is the truth. Can you handle the truth right now? They cried out to God. Pharaoh got more blessed. Pharaoh got better. Let me explain why. Because the more the Israelites worked, the richer Pharaoh got. The more powerful he became. So here's a twist. Does it ever feel like you're crying out to God but he's silent in your life, but he's blessing your enemies. I'm, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Does it feel like he's blessing the people that are hurting you and he's forgotten you? 
Does it ever feel like life is unfair because my enemies are blessed, my enemies are happy, my enemies are living their life, and they have left me hurt, they have left me alone, they have left me rejected, and God, I cry out to you, and God, I pray to you, and God, I worship you, and God, I try to just give it to you and surrender it to you, and I pray, and I pray, and I cry, and I cry out, and out, and God, you do nothing. You cry out because of your burden. And I wondered this morning, how many of you are carrying a burden? Because the Bible says that Pharaoh put a burden on them. Is your burden sickness? Is your burden financial? Are you burdened by life? Burdened by people? Are you burdened by your children? Worried about their life, their future? Are you burdened by your marriage? Are you burdened by loneliness? Are you burdened yet nothing is changing? If that's you, this message is for you this morning. Because they must have thought nothing is happening. Nothing's happened. But something did happen. Look at Exodus chapter 5, verse 6 through 9. They cried out to God. And that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let's make the work, say that word with me, harder. Let's make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. What lie? The lie that they were going to be set free. The lie that Moses said, God is working in your life. God has a plan. God has a promise. God is doing something. And Pharaoh said, listen, the people are starting to get encouraged. The people are starting to believe this guy Moses. The people start are really starting to think they're going to get out of Egypt and go into some promised land and life's going to get better for them. And the people are really starting to get motivated. So let's put more load on them. Let's make the work harder on them so that they can believe a lie that things are never going to change. So let's make it harder for them. What a strategy Pharaoh had. If I can make things harder, they will stop believing that things are going to get better. If I can make that things harder, they will stop believing that life's going to change. If I can just make things harder for them, they're going to stop believing that God cares. And this is what the devil does in your life. 
It's interesting that when things get harder, that's when people give up. That's when people stop coming to church. That's when people stop praying. That's when people stop believing. That's when people stop asking God for the impossible. Because when things get harder, something within ourselves says it's never going to happen. And that is exactly the strategy Pharaoh had for the Israelites. And it's the strategy that the demons within our lives and Satan use for our own life. When life gets harder, the devil tries to convince you that it's never going to change. It's never going to get better. Stop trying. Stop believing. Stop praying. And this is the strategy that Pharaoh had for them. And it's the same strategy our enemy has for our own life. This is why when things get harder, people say, well, where's God now? I prayed and things got worse. I prayed and things got more difficult. I prayed. Does it ever feel like you pray and you cry out to God, but things only get worse? Can I get a witness this morning? That's what happens. We stop believing. You get disappointed. And you feel like God has just wronged you. You say, Lord, I prayed and I cried out for my finances. And in faith, I gave my tithe. And in faith, I prayed for that promotion. Instead, I got laid off. Thanks, God. And I prayed for this child to be healed. And I prayed. But you took them from me. Thanks, God. I prayed. I prayed for this, Lord. I believed for this. And just when I thought things were going to get better, You allowed life to get harder for me. And I know I'm preaching to someone this morning. If not, the Lord would not have given me this word. But maybe you thought, see, we're in February now. It means January is over. Maybe January was your genesis. You had a vision and a dream and whatever. And you thought it was going to be your year and you thought it was going to be great. But February is your exodus. You realize Things got harder. Nothing's changed. They say, oh man, pastor, I mean, another year has passed and this year is looking worse than last year. Things are getting harder for us. That's what happens in our lives. Things get harder for us as a church. And I, and I pray and I said, Lord, please, Lord, I pray. Lord, please give us financial increase. Lord, please bring more people. Lord, please bless us. Lord, do something. And things get harder. Can you show me your hands this morning if things have gotten harder for your life? God bless you. Harder. See, that, that season when things are harder... is when the devil wants to get you to believe a lie. That's what Pharaoh said. 
So they'll stop believing this lie that God's going to change, that God's going to do something. That season of harder is where you're going to lose sleep, lose faith. That season of harder is what will convince you that God is doing nothing. But nothing can be further from the truth. See, if you've ever planted a seed, you know that you hold that seed in your hand. And you know that, let's say it's an apple seed, so in your mind you vision a big apple tree giving you plenty of apples and making apple pie and apple sauce and apple whatever. That's Genesis. That's the vision. That's the dream. That's when you feel God the most. The seed is making contact with the gardener. There are seasons in your life that you can feel God's presence. You can feel the Lord speak. You can feel God moving. But see, in order for God to bring about what he has to do, just like a gardener, that gardener has to let go of the seed and plant it on the ground. But here's the problem. If that seed can talk, it would say, why'd you let me go? Don't you care? I thought you cared about me. But see, the seed has only been released into the ground because something greater is coming. But the seed can't see it. And that seed doesn't know it because from within the ground, that seed is alone. That seed feels and looks abandoned. That seed is going through a season of silence. And that's the season that the Israelites were going through. God had not forgotten them. God had not abandoned them. God actually had them in mind. Let me prove this to you in the scripture with the story we read. But I want you to turn to verse 24 now. And in verse 24, notice what the Bible says here. God heard their groaning. Let me stop right there and tell you right now. If you are suffering with sadness, tired, and expressing a life of pain, God is very much aware. That's not what the word heard means. God is connected to your pain. God is connected to your weariness. God knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. And when they groaned, the Bible said God heard them. God heard their groan and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that even mean? To understand what this means, you have to know what God said. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 through 14. Notice what the Bible says. The Lord in the book of Genesis said to the Lord, the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves. For how long? 400 years. 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. I'm going to pause right there. I don't want to go to verse 15. God said to Abraham, 
400 years from now, for 400 years, there's going to be the people of God enslaved. And here's the, the thing about God. God saw this coming 500 years before it happened. From the time of Abraham to the time that the Israelites were enslaved, it was 500 years would pass. So God would say, I can see 500 years into the future. And I can see what's going to happen. I can see the pain they're going to go through. I can see the enslavement. To prove to you that God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. God has not just thrown you aside. We have to understand what is known as the omniscience and omnipresence of God. It's a fancy way of saying God is all-knowing and all-present everywhere at once. The omniscience of God means I know everything. And God said, because I am omniscient, I know not only what you know right now, I know things you don't even know are going to happen. I know what you're going through. I know what you feel. I know where you're coming from. I know who hurt you. I know why they hurt you. I know exactly where you're at in your life right now. But God takes it further and says, let me show you how great I know. I know so much that before you were even born, I knew you. And God said, I am so omniscient, Abraham, that I know and see that 500 years from now, these people are going to be enslaved. So here's the mind-blowing part. You guys ready to do this for me? Ready? Before you were even born, God already knew what you would face. Before you were even a thought in your mama and daddy's minds, God already knew the trials you would endure. Before you were even formed, God knew the problems you would have. God knew what you would face before you even faced it. God knew and told Abraham 500 years from now, there's going to be people crying out to me because of their enslavement and burden. God is so omniscient. He knows, but God even steps it up further in his amazingness. I am not only omniscient, all-knowing, I am all-present, everywhere at once. Are you guys ready for another one? The omnipresence of God is mistaken often to mean God is everywhere at once right now, and it's true, he is. But that's limiting him. Why? Because we say, well, God is everywhere right now. So he's in this church. He's in the church down the street. He's in the church up in Asia. He's everywhere at once. He's in every state and every country. He's all over. You're limiting God because you're saying that God is everywhere at once at this specific time. But God has no limit to time. 
So his omnipresence doesn't just mean physically everywhere at once in the world. His omnipresence means I am everywhere beyond time, past, present, and future. You're saying, Pastor, what do you mean? God is so omnipresent everywhere at once that not only is God here today, God is in your tomorrow right now. Like, what? Yes! When God says, do not worry about tomorrow, why do you think he says that? Because he's there. Right now. He's in your future. He is in your destiny. He sees it all. He sees your past. He sees your present. He sees your tomorrow. That is the omnipresence of God. God sees your tomorrow. So why would I be anxious? Why would I be discouraged? Why would I be afraid? When I serve a God that says, not only do I know all, I am everywhere into your tomorrow. It makes no sense for the children of God to be living a life of depression and worry and fear. Because here's what God says. Let's read that one more time. In Genesis 15, but look at verse 14 now. I will punish the nation that enslaves them. God saw the enslavement. But you know what else God saw? In the end. Say that with me. In the end. You know what God sees right now? Your problems ending. Now I need a better amen than that. God sees the end. God not only sees the end, he says, in the end, they will, listen, listen, they will come away. God says, not only do I see their problems, you know what else I can see? Their deliverance. I I see them coming out of this. I want to tell someone here this morning, all you might be seeing right now is problems and hardship and things are getting harder because we are limited beings, but we serve an all-knowing, all-present God that says, not only do I know all things, I see all things. And you know what I see? I see you coming out of this. I see you getting free from this. I see you walking out of this. I see you free. I see you free indeed. I see you here. I see what you don't see. God says, not only do I see the enslavement, the problems, I see the end, the deliverance. Right now, more and more of this, ready? Right now, if you're single, God might be in your wedding right now and you don't even know. He might be there celebrating with you. Seeing you. You don't know what God sees right now. God can be seeing you holding your child that you think you can't have. God might be seeing you get a promotion thinking you'll never reach. God can see you owning that house. You're telling yourself right now, inflation, it's never going to happen. And Biden's president, listen to me. God is all-knowing everywhere at once, omnipresent. And he says, not only, not only do I see, not only do I see what you're going through, not only do I see who has hurt you, you know what else God sees? This is for my sinners. He says, 
I will punish the nation that enslaves. You know what God sees? Your enemies getting what they deserve. I know you want to admit that because you're a Christian. I don't want that. How many of you want to see your enemies get taken care of? Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Shame on you. I'm going to pray for you. You've got to pray for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But God says, I'm going to take care of you. I see your problems. 500 years before it happened, God says, I see it. And within the 430 years of silence, God says, I see your deliverance. That God can see that miracle happen. God can see that loved one getting saved. God can see that cancer leaving your body. The problem is you don't see. That's why the Bible says we live by faith and not by what? By sight. You know what your problem is? You depend too much on what you see, but you're not omniscient. You're not omnipresent. God is. He is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Meaning, I have the power to do whatever I want. And if I tell Pharaoh and turn his heart to let you go, he's going to do it. And if I tell that Red Sea to split open for you, it's going to happen. And if I tell heaven to rain down bread to provide for you, it is done. We serve an omni, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God. But he still puts us through the season of silence. See, when that seed is in the ground, things get worse. Because that seed now, underneath the soil, the gardener is giving it the right light, giving it the right amount of water. He's taking care of that seed. The seed can't see it from underneath the surface. And underneath the surface of your life, it's going to look like God's not taking care of you. It's going to look like God's not taking care of your future. God's not taking care of your problems. God's left you. He's abandoned you. And things get worse for the seed. You're saying, Pastor, how do things get worse for a seed? Well, eventually that same seed breaks. It breaks open. And if that, that seed doesn't know what's happening, all it sees is the brokenness. But see, the seed breaks because it can no longer contain the growth that it's experiencing. And when that seed breaks, it experiences what's called a breakthrough. And it breaks through that soil. And it becomes what it was always meant to become. That's why God gives you first the genesis, the beginning, the visions, the dreams. Then he puts you through a season of silence. Why? Because the silence is breaking. How many of you want a breakthrough in your life? We all pray for breakthrough. We all desire breakthrough. 
but we fail to mention that the word breakthrough literally has the word break in it, everyone. Now, if I would ask, how many of you want God to break you? You would say, "Uh uh-uh, not me. But you can't have a breakthrough without getting broken. See how quiet it got? Because we don't like brokenness. You see, God can say, I'm going to put you in Egypt for a season. I'm not going to say anything. And you say, well, pastor, I know God is omniscient. He's everywhere at once. He can see my problems. He can see my deliverance. He can see what I'm going through. He sees what I'm going to get through. That lifts me up. That encourages me. That gives me hope. But maybe you're here today and all you can see is things getting harder. That's why you're scared. That's why you're discouraged. That's why you're worried. But Jesus says, don't worry about your tomorrow. Because God says, I'm there. The word exodus. See, the word Genesis is beginning. The word exodus is where we get the word exit from, a way out. And God sees your way out. It may look like there's no way out. It may seem like there's never going to be a way out of this. I'm always going to be here. I'm always going to be stuck. It's always going to be this way. But I'm telling you right now, if you have a vision and a dream, God's going to break you first. But that brokenness is an indication that you're about to get out into your destiny. That is why you might be wondering why the devil lies to you. Because remember, Pharaoh... His strategy to break the Israelites was the same strategy that the devil uses. The devil first had to convince the Israelites by harder work that things would never change, to stop believing the lie that God's going to deliver you. And some of you have bought into this lie. Life has gotten harder for you. It's gotten harder for everyone here in this church. You are not alone. Don't let the devil lie to you that you're the only one going through a hard life. If you want to... If you want a witness, look next to you. I guarantee that person next to you will tell you, my life's harder than yours. Everyone's going through a hard life, but in that hardness of your life, God has not abandoned you, but the devil does not want you to believe that truth. He wants you to believe a lie, and the lie is this. You're never going to see anything happen. It's never going to change. It got harder. If God was going to do something, why did it get harder for you? If God was really with you, why did it get harder for you? If God was really going to get you to a promised land, if God was really going to deliver you, why has he allowed all those things in your life to come harder? Some of you can't answer that question. That's when you have to replace that lie with the God's truth. And you say, devil, I don't know why. But I serve an all-knowing God that does. And then the devil and Pharaoh had another strategy. There's no way out. You'll never get out of this. 
How did the Pharaoh even get the people in bondage? The same way he does. You know how he did it? In the beginning of the book of Exodus, I challenge you to read it. The Israelites were growing by the thousands and by the millions. Why? Well, can I get real for a minute? When you've been working all day and you're tired and all you see the same thing every day and you're bored, and you're tired and bored and, and you're just tired and bored and tired and bored, when they got home, the Bible says they just multiplied. They just started just releasing stress. They started just, husband and wives just started being intimate, just releasing stress because everything was hard, everything was difficult. I just need a break. And the, and the wives said, come here, honey, let me help you. And all of a sudden, they started multiplying. That's why. Yeah. You're, some of you are so like, oh, what is he talking about? You know, uh, hurricane season. COVID lockdowns. 2020 was a year of another baby boom. Where are my boomers at? You know why you boomed? Stress and boredom. God's plan. I'm going to get you stressed and bored. I'm going to get you so stressed and so tired that all you're going to want is to multiply. And Pharaoh got scared. Pharaoh said, they are bigger than us. They are mightier than us. And if they decide to revolt, they can take us down. So let's enslave them now and convince them that we're stronger. Convince them that we're weaker, that they're weaker, so that we can own them. That is such a demonic strategy. You know what the devil does in your life? The devil's more scared of you than you should be of him. The devil knows how big you are because of how big God is. He knows that you are stronger than him. He knows that you are mightier than him. He knows that at a second you can revolt and have him crushed at your feet through Jesus Christ. He knows all of this, but you know what the devil has to do like Pharaoh? Convince you that you're weaker. Convince you that you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not holy enough. You're not spiritual enough. You're too bad, you're too soft, you're too weak. And you begin to believe this lie and you give the enemy power when he is powerless. And the same way Pharaoh did that to the Israelites, God's children, God is doing it. He, God is seeing it today. The devil has convinced too many Christians that they're too weak. They'll never come out of it. It's never going to happen. But those Israelites have to step out in faith that God had more for their life. But you're probably thinking here right now, and I want to close with this. You're saying, Pastor, I get it. 
God is all-knowing. He's all-present. He sees my problems. He sees my deliverance. He knows what I'm going through. He knows I'm going to get out of it. He sees my enemies. He sees what he's going to do to take care of. I get it now, Pastor. The devil has me weak for no reason. The devil has me convinced that I'm not strong enough. The devil has lied to me that God has abandoned me. But Pastor, why does God go silent? Why does God go silent? For 430 years, God allowed the pain, God allowed the broken, God allowed the burden. God seemed unfair. Maybe God seems unfair to you. Maybe God seems harsh to you. But God always has a reason and a plan behind everything He does. God did not just wake up one day and say, I think I'll just make your life miserable. Genesis 15, 13 through 15. This is the knowing God, the omniscient God that we have to trust in. Genesis 15. He tells Abraham this promise. 13, go to 13 through 15. Genesis 15, verse 13 and 15. There we go. The Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. That's the omniscience of God saying, I see them in Egypt. Notice, they will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Notice verse 14. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. So let me stop right there. And first of all, you say, okay, I get it now. God sees what I'm going through. God knows it all, but why, Lord? Why? Look at verse 15 of this passage. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at the ripe old age. I want to explain something to you. You're saying, well, why did God allow the Israelites to go to Egypt in the first place? Was because in the Bible, the land of Canaan, the promised land, was occupied by a group of people called the Amorites. The Ammonites were bigger and stronger than the Israelites at that season. Because the Bible says in Psalm 105 verse 9, Psalm 105 verse 9, this is a covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, as your special possession. But verse 12 says this, He said this when they were few in number. A tiny group of strangers. Now let's pause right there. What happens when you have a few group of people facing a mighty, stronger, bigger army? Defeat. See, God says, I have the promised land for you. 
I have the land of Canaan. I have everything set up for you. But at this very moment right now, you're just few in number. In other words, if I will do it now and I will give it to you now, you cannot handle it. It would kill you. It would destroy you. So God says, I can't give it to you now because you're too weak right now. You're too small right now. You can't handle it. So in verse 23, God does this. Then Israel arrived where? To Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham. And the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became what? Mighty for what? Their enemies. Which enemies? The Ammonites that God spoke about 500 years before in the book of Genesis. So God says, I have the promise for you. That's the message for today. God has your promise. God has your plans in mind. God has your destiny. God has your life in your hands. God has it already. It's done. But God says right now, you can't handle it. It's too much. I got to grow you first. How many of you can say, yeah, I can relate. I need to grow a little more. That's why God says, I can't act right now. I can't do it right now. Because you can't handle it. You're not ready. And you say, but God, I want it now. God, I need it now. Lord, do it now. I'm getting older. Years are passing. And God says, no. Because I am omniscient. Because I am all present. Because I'm all powerful. I know what you don't know. You may think you know what you want. You may think you know what you need. You may think you know what you can handle. But I'm the omniscient God. I know all and I know you can handle what I have for you yet. So I'm going to put you in the land of Egypt. It's going to be hard. It's going to be long. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be unfair. You're going to question me. I'm going to be silent. You're going to be oppressed. You're going to struggle. You're going to suffer. It's going to be unfair. You're going to be mad at me. But I promise you, if you trust me in Egypt, you're going to multiply. You're going to grow. You're going to become greater than that enemy. And when you get out, you're going to be able to handle what I had for you all along. That's why we serve an omniscient, all-powerful, all-present God that says, because I know and see and I have all the power, you have to trust me when I'm silent. You have to trust me when life gets harder. You have to believe in me when the enemy is winning. You have to trust in my word when it seems like I am silent. You have to wait upon me. You have to wait upon me. You have to wait. Because the seed falls on the ground, it begins to break. But when it breaks, 
it only breaks because it's growing. And if it feels like your life has gotten a lot harder and you are breaking, and you, before you get a breakthrough, you have to reach a breaking point. And some of you are there right now. You're saying, Pastor, I'm at my breaking point. Life is just harder. God is silent. If you are at your breaking point, you better praise God because breakthrough is about to happen. And God says, I'm about to get you out and I'm about to move and you're going to see your destiny come to pass. But you have to be able to survive the years of silence. And God said, now I'm about to act. You see what the devil does is in Exodus 1, 11 through 12. Let's all stand to our feet. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them. And some of you, that describes your life. Brutal. Painful. But why? Hoping to wear them down. the devil is trying to do to you today to wear you down. Because Pharaoh knew the potential those Israelites had. Pharaoh was more afraid of them than they should have been of him. Pharaoh knew they're stronger than me, they're more powerful than me, and if they decide to attack me, it's over for me. So I have to convince them that they're not good enough, that they're weaker, that I'm stronger, and I'm going to put them in bondage, and I'm going to make their life harder. And the only reason I'm doing that is because I'm scared of them, and I'm making life harder on them because I'm trying to wear them out. And I know that some of you feel like that. You're worn out in life. You're worn out in pain. You're worn out because you're tired. You're worn out. The devil's trying to wear you out because he knows what's in you. He knows what God is getting ready to do in you. The devil's trying to war this church out. I've come up to this pulpit worn out, tired. Because I know behind me there's a devil that's scared of me. There's a devil that's scared of this church. There's a devil that's scared of you. So he tries to make things harder to wear you out. To get you to believe the lie that God is not going to come through. That God's not going to change this. That God's not going to do anything. But we serve an omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful God that says, not only do I see what you're going through, I see your deliverance in Jesus' name. So I pray that you leave this church today truly saying, get behind me, Satan. Because that's what position where the devil belongs, behind you. Because you are the leader, you're the head, he's the tail. So stop telling yourself, I can't. It's never going to happen, it's never going to change, I can't do it. I'm too weak, I'm too this, I'm too dumb. Listen to me. The devil 
is Pharaoh. Wants to put you in bondage to a weakness you don't have. So leave this church today knowing that God is about to act. Let me pray for you. Father, open the hearts of the people here today. If you're here this morning, you're worn out, you're tired, and maybe you've bought into this lie that whatever the Lord gave you in the beginning, in your Genesis, your dream, your vision, it's never going to happen. Life is too hard for you. Life is too unfair for you. Life is too difficult. God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. Could it be today that the Lord brought you this morning on this beautiful rainy day to tell you, I see your deliverance. You hang in there because I'm about to act. Has the Holy Spirit impressed on you this morning that God has never forsaken you? God has never turned his back on you. And you may be here right now saying, but Pastor, you don't know how hard it is, how worn out I am, how tired I am, how sad I am. I don't know. But God does. And God is not only here today, He's in your tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow brings, God already knew. And God not only sees your present circumstances today, God sees your exit, your exodus, your way out. You're getting out of this. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you would receive this word. You're getting out. And the promise will be reality. If that's you today, would you put that hand up and say, Pastor, this is me. I've gone from Genesis to Exodus, from the beginning where I used to believe and dream and hear from God and feel God's presence, but now all I see is burden and bondage. Well, my prayer for you today is you keep growing. God is using this today to grow you for tomorrow. He's getting you ready for what's next because he knows today you can't handle. You can't handle what he has for you tomorrow, so he prepares you today. So he's growing. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for our church. I pray for everyone here today that's going through a hardship, that's going through circumstances that seem unfair. For those today that in the beginning they felt your presence, they had dreams, they had visions, they had desires, but now it seems like they have been forgotten by you, Lord. They are oppressed by people, they are oppressed by problems, they're burdened with life. I pray, Jesus, that we would exercise our faith according to your all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful character. And give us the strength to handle today for what we can't handle tomorrow.
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, give God some praise today if you were blessed.